Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below the video online at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through your fellowship profile on the Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's message. I want to thank all of you for joining us today, and again, thank you so much for inviting your family members and your friends, uh, letting them know that your church family is online today, and another message from Fellowship Church, and asking them to tune in. It's so exciting to see how many people tell us uh, in the chat or room, or whether it's on, uh, on comments, where they're watching us from. Always exciting to know that. Matter of fact, you're watching this service today from outside of the Grand Junction area, we would just love to know that. So put it in the chat, put it in the comments, and let our staff talk back and forth with you. And again, thank you, thank you so much uh, for being here. And uh, you do know, however, that when we go back to the live experience and you come back in here, y'all are going to have to wear real pants. <laughs> You're going to have to put some pants on. I don't know what the guidelines are going to be at that particular time, uh, but when you come back live, you've got to put on some real pants. We're excited about you coming back in here. And you might be thinking, well, when will that be? And right now, we, we just really don't know that. We're trying to stay undercover uh, with what uh, our governor here in the state of Colorado has said. And for many churches, or for all churches, the guidelines is 50 people max. And... Um, for us to be able to pull off a live service, to be able to uh, bring you over the internet what you're seeing, especially in a live service, takes about 28 people behind cameras, behind computers, uh, behind the soundboard, behind lighting, up on stage with praise team and, of course, our band and all. Uh, so it wouldn't give us very many other people that we could invite or allow you to come in. So we're really going to hold off any live experience until we get to the 250 mark uh, at least. Now, I do notice that Home Depot and Lowe's have pretty good crowds that are going there each week, so I don't know, maybe we ought to have our service next week at Home Depot, plumbing department. No, <laughs> don't do that. Don't show up there. Uh, we are just going to try to create for you the best online service experience with highest quality we can uh, during this time. We're also hearing that uh, you're having watch parties and you're inviting people to come over, things like that. That is so wonderful that you're doing that. Uh, thank you. We are praying for you every week. We pray for you every day and asking God to bless you. And I know you guys are praying for us. Uh, we are doing a lot of crisis counseling. We're talking with a lot of people. Our offices are open every day. And uh, we also have classrooms open, of course, now for the groups that are smaller than 50. So we'll let you know as soon as we know... Um, concerning when you can come back to a live service. We miss you so much. There's not a person in here except for a few staff uh, people and an individual running the, the camera for me. And uh, man, we miss you. We want you back here. I'm excited about today's message, but I got to start with this question. Are you ready for me to stir up a little bit of an issue? Here we go. If the American people would have all gathered together, would have looked up into the sky and could have met with our 
Heavenly Father prior to any of this happening and any changes being made. And we asked him the question, Father God, what should we do now in light of what's happening with this new virus? Would our Heavenly Father have told us, I need you to shut everything down and hunker down until further notice? Well, at the end of this message, I am going to give you my personal opinion. I've been studying God's Word for over 44 years. And at the end of this message, you are going to hear what I think God would have told us or what He would have said to us even now. Now, I remind you that this is my personal opinion. It is not the church opinion. So I'm giving you my personal email on, this, on the screen. And you can please write me and uh, ask me questions. You can write me and give me comments. Uh, but here's some guidelines because everybody's got guidelines. Here's my guideline for you to be able to email me a question or a comment after I address that issue at the end of today's uh, message. And, and here they are. Number one, play nice. Don't be mean. Don't be ugly. Don't send me anything that's sarcastic. I'll just delete it. Number two, I want to ask you, if you would, to start by telling me your uh, time when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you came to know him, when you knew for sure that you have a home forever in heaven. It had to be long. Just give me a two, three-sentence uh, answer on when you came to know the Lord as your Savior. And then give me a comment, or you can give me a question concerning what I say about that thought of interviewing God uh, at the end of this message. And then finally, I want to ask if you would... Uh, to be patient with me, I will get back with you, and uh, we'll converse back and forth. It'll, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. But first, today's message, the power of a whisper. Now, I want to introduce the players, and after I introduce the players, then we're going to unpack the information. And at the end of unpacking the information, we will all decide together what we're going to do with the information that we just unpacked. Now, this is interesting because it's how God works. God gives us accurate, not exaggerated, accurate information. He gives us positive instructions, or sometimes he gives us very strong warnings. Then he has created us a free will inside of us that we might decide based on the information, based on the instructions, sometimes even based on the warnings, we still get to decide that's how God created us. We get to choose even in the middle of a pandemic when it comes to God and the information that he would lay out for us. He treats us as, we're, as if we're almost adults. It just, it's just crazy, but I'll get to that in a little bit. Here we go. First player in this story is Ahab. He is a wicked king of Israel. He did all kinds of things that, to aggravate and to upset our Heavenly Father. He was wicked. He went the opposite direction with God's kids uh, that God wanted him to go. He marries the daughter of another wicked king. Her name is Jezebel, and she is just as nasty, just as dangerous, and just as wicked. Then we have the prophet in the Old Testament who's on the scene. His name is Elijah. And, of course, we have God. God is upset with Ahab and tells Elijah, I want you to go tell him that there will be no rain. I'm cutting off the rain. I'm cutting off the dew in the ground until further notice. And so Elijah goes and he tells this king there will be no more rain. And there's going to be a great drought, which will lead to a great famine. Next thing we see in the story, God tells Elijah to go to a certain brook. And at that brook, he was to drink from it. 
And then ravens, birds would come and feed him bread and would feed him meat until one day that brook dried up. Well, of course it would dry up because there was no rain. There was a drought that was happening in that, in, in that, in that area. So something that God was doing to get the king's attention also affected Elijah, who was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. Now, that's interesting. Then after that brook dried up, God told him to go to a certain widow's house in a nearby village, and that widow would feed him there for a period of time. God, Bible says that Elijah goes there. Uh, he asked the woman, the widow, he said, can I get a cup of water? And she said, sure. She goes after it. As she's going, he said, can I get a piece of bread as well? And he, she says to him that there is no bread. She said, the matter of fact, before you got here, we were going to make sure make a little bit of flour that I had left and, and a little, take a little bit of cooking oil that I had and my son and I were going to make a meal. It was going to be our last meal and then we were going to die. Elijah says something very interesting. He said, I want you to go and I want you to take that flour, I want you to take that cooking oil and I want you to make that last meal and I want you to bring it to me first. Well, that's interesting. Figure that one out. That's not something normally we would do or say to a widow with her last little bit of food. But he said, bring it to me first. Then you and your son uh, eat from it. And when she did this, then Elijah said that for the rest of the time that I am here until there is rain again over the crops, you will never see flour run out of your containers. You will never see uh, olive oil that you would cook with uh, running empty. It will stay where you need it until the rain comes again and waters the crops. Later on, the same widow's life, that son dies. She comes before Elijah and she tells him about it. Elijah brings that boy back to life again. All of these stories are in 1 Kings chapter 17, 18, and 19. To carry on in the story of these characters that we have mentioned, three years into the drought, God then tells Elijah, I want you to go and talk to King Ahab. Go and present yourself to him. Well, you can imagine how mad King Ahab was at this point. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he had sent out a servant to try to find a little grass anywhere that he might use to be able to feed his horses. So all this was going on, and Elijah walks into the picture with King Ahab. King Ahab looks at him and says, you're a troublemaker. Elijah looks right back at him and says, no, you and your family are a troublemaker. And troublemakers to this, this, is this nation. And then he says, I want you to get the 450 prophets of Baal, that false idol that you've been leading God's children to try to worship as a stick, as a nothing. And I want you to bring those 450 prophets and I want you to meet me down in a valley. So all the people of Israel and those 450 prophets of Baal came to meet Elijah. And Elijah said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to decide today if we're going to worship and the prophet, this uh, false idol Baal, or if we are going to worship the true Lord and God of Israel. And this is how we're going to put it to the test. And all the people were silent. He said, I want you to get a bowl, two bowls. I want you to cut it in half, put it on some wood, and then I want you to soak it with water. And then I want you to call upon the God Baal that you think can do anything, and I want you to ask him to call fire down and, and consume this bowl and consume this altar. And whoever's God will respond today, that will be the God that we will worship. And so these prophets begin to cry out. 
they began to dance around. Water was poured on this, this bull carcass on top of this wood, and they began to cry out and, and holler out loud and dance and do all different kind of things to try to get that false idol god uh, to respond. Well, after a while, Elijah himself began to mock them. He began to say, you need to cry a little louder. Maybe he's daydreaming. Maybe your God is using the bathroom, he said. He said, maybe he's on a trip or maybe he's asleep and he needs to be woken up. All afternoon, they began to cry out even louder and dance, these false prophets, and dance around and then begin to cut themselves with knives until the Bible says that the, gut, the blood gushed out of them. Now imagine that. But after all of that, nothing. No response from what they thought and what they were leading other people to be their God. And then Elijah called the people around him and, and made them rebuild this one altar. And then they put this bull carcass on it, cut in half. And Elijah said, pour water on it. And then he said, bring more water. And pour water on it again and again. Until a trench that was around that altar had completely filled up with water. And then Elijah prayed. And fire came down from heaven. It not only consumed the bull carcass, but it also consumed, the Bible says, the wood and the stones that were around it and the dust that was around it. And it licked up or evaporated all the water that was in the trench that had been poured on it. And then Elijah said, I want the 450 prophets of Baal, of, of Baal to come with me. And he took them down into a valley. And he said, liar, liar, now you're dead. <laughs> well, he didn't say that part. I said that part, but he killed them. All 450 of those prophets. Then the Bible says that he turned to Ahab and he said, it is about to rain. Get yourself something to eat. Get yourself something to drink. Rain's coming. Elijah goes up on Mount Carmel. He looks out over the, the, the water. He, he, he begins to pray and ask God to send rain. And when he looks out there, he sees something about the size, well, a little, you know, it's going to be a big rainstorm, but it looks about like that, the size, he says, of a man's hand. And then he goes and he tells the king, you need to get in your chariot and you need to get home because there's a rainstorm that is coming. The Bible then says that God gave Elijah supernatural strength. He tucked his coat into his belt and he outran the king's chariot back to the king's city. Big rainstorm took place. Big storm, big rain. The drought is over, yay, but not so fast because when Jezebel, that wicked, dangerous individual, heard about it, she said, I am going to kill you, Elijah, within the next 24 hours. Next thing that happens with Elijah is out of fear, the Bible says, he fled for his life. Now watch this. He goes alone into the wilderness. He tells God, I have had enough. I'm tired. Kill me, kill me now. God says, nope. He goes to sleep. An angel wakes him up, gives him something to drink, and gives him something to eat. He goes back to sleep. Angel wakes him up again, gives him something to eat, gives him something to drink. And then he goes on a journey by himself into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights until he ends up at a place called Mount Sinai and he spends the night in a cave. And God comes to him and asks him one question. 
what are you doing here? I mean, that was it. God wants to know, Elijah, after all this, what are you doing here? Here's the scripture on it, 1 Kings 19, look at it. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, what? That little gentle whisper. He wrapped his faith in a cloak. Man, that could be the first face cloth. Look at that, look at that. There's the first face mask right there. (laughs) He wrapped his face in a cloak. And he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, when God asks a question, it is never because he needs information. He doesn't need information. If God asks a question of you, it's because he needs you to know the information. There's something you're missing. There's something that he wants you to get settled in your life. And so when he asks that question, what are you doing here? Elijah had answers ready for him. He had a list of of complaints. He had a list of reasons. And this is what he said. He said, I'm all alone now. He said, I've been doing exactly what you told me to do. He said, and now there's an active threat out there that is going to kill me. An active threat. And God, notice here in the story, you guys got to read it. It is awesome. God said, or God did not address his complaints And God did not address the threat. And this is important. You always have to remember this when it comes to your relationship with your Heavenly Father. God is your Father. He is not your grandfather. Let me say it again. God's your Father. He's not your grandfather. So He's going to father you. He's not going to coddle you. If he was your grandfather, he might have gave you some candy. He might have patted you on the head. He might have said, oh, is that that mean woman? Is she out there? Is she threatening you? No, God is a father, and he didn't address the complaint of his child, and he did not even address the threat that this child ran from that caused him all the fear, all the concern, all the anxiety, and to take a direction that God never told him to take. God ignored the complaint. He ignored the threat, and this is what he said after Elijah listed him out. God the Father, like to a son, said, go. Get up and go. You are done being here. Being here in this place, it's over. Now, this is what I need you to do. I need you to go back the very same way that you came. And here's what I want you to do. This is what he's saying. I want you to go back, and I want you to get back to work. I want you to get up from this place, leave it, it's over, and I want you to get back to work. And this is what he told him. I need you to anoint the new king of Aram. I need you to next anoint the new king for Israel. Now the word anoint means to set apart for God's use. Symbolic by oil being poured on a king's head and a sign and symbols involved in that. But basically I want you to set those two kings up to be used of me. And then he said, I want you to get yourself an assistant and a new succession plan put in place, you big crybaby. Okay, he didn't say you big crybaby. That was on me, my bad. But what he said was, we're going to put a succession plan in place for you because you're tired, because you've done all these wonderful things. That's great. Get yourself an assistant. And he was tired. Now watch what God does next after he puts Elisha 
in as his, as his succession plan, God then takes Elijah to heaven without him physically dying here. And that plays into the future when it comes to the end times, and, and you'll be hearing about that as well down the road. But here's two quick points, and I want you to get them. Two quick points. The first is, a threat out there caused this tired man of God to run and hide in a cave where he was insulated and he was isolated. That cave provided insulation. That could be a good thing. And isolation. I'm not sure how good that is. That threat caused him to make the decision of insulation and isolation. And what was the threat? In 24 hours, uh, you are going to die. And here we are in this story, 40 days plus later, and nothing happened to Elijah. Nothing. Second thing I want you to see, God does not even address his fear-motivated decision for insulation or for isolation. He simply says, go back the way you came and get back to work. In other words, this is what he's saying. You made a fear-based decision. Now reverse it. God did not give us a spirit of fear. Anytime fear is motivating you, taking away the joy that God would have you to have in that daytime, causing you anxiety and worry to keeping you awake at night, it has never been from God and never will be from God. And when a Good intention causes there to be a bad decision. Good leaders realize it, admit it, and reverse it as quickly as they possibly can. And God said, go back the way that you came from. Get back to work and reverse the decision that you had made based on fear. And then I want you to see this. Many people, and I know that that may not make me real popular right now. You may kind of read ahead in the story or where you think you think I'm going at the end when it comes to a conversation with God. But, but wait for it. Wait for it. Don't get mad at me. Don't, don't unfriend me. Don't do it. Now, don't, I know I may not as get as many Christmas cards this year as what, you know, we, what we got last year dealing with it this way. Don't, don't do any of that. Because some of you are sitting out there thinking, but the scientific data says. Well, let me ask you a question. If you are asking that question, what the scientific data says, the scientific data does not support walking on water. Scientific data does not support hungry lions' mouths staying closed when there's human food source that is present. Scientific data does not support David's killing Goliath or big fish swallowing a man and keeping him alive inside of them and becoming the first Uber driver. And scientific data does not support Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior being crucified, dying on a cross, being put in a cave, and coming back again the third day. I'll let, I'll let you walk around your living room if you need to. Get yourself another cup of coffee on that one. Because we as God's children, we don't base our life, our decisions, or our future on scientific data. We base it on faith. It's what saith the word of God. Because if that's all we've got is scientific data that changes based on the next person that steps in front of a camera, then we're going to be in trouble. Now, I told you that it's, if I could have had a conversation with God, what it might look like. So 
Let me just ask him, for all of us, a few questions. And then I want to wrap this up. The first question might be this, or the first comment to God might be this. If we could just sit down with him before all of this started. Father, there's a serious threat out there. God said, in this life you will have trouble. I think that falls into trouble. I mean, we might even say, hey, God, it's not cancer. It's not heart disease. It's not the flu, which still kills with a vaccination. Woohoo! vaccination still kills 25 to 56,000 people a year. They didn't die. They didn't just die with it. They actually died from it, God. It's not that. It's this new virus. Well, throw it in the category of trouble, because I told you that it would be trouble. And I also said be of good cheer, optimistic, and hopeful when it comes to your future, and be filled with joy. Okay, God, well, I'm okay, there's trouble, but I don't want to die, God. Ready? But you're going to die. Because I said, remember in the Old Testament, when I let my kids and people live a couple of hundred years apiece, I told you that I changed that, and you're only going to have 70 years, 80 if you're tough enough. I already told you, you're going to die. Matter of fact, if you check right now, you'll find the average lifespan around the planet, 70 years and four months. 70 years and four months, women and children throughout the, uh, the world, globally, is the average lifespan on the planet today. And God said, yeah, you're going to die. You are. I already told you that. Well, God, uh, I don't want to die because of this bad virus. Well, God would say, you are going to die because I said you were going to die. You may die as a result of heart disease. You may die as a result of cancer, as an, of an aneurysm, a virus, or something else that might come into your system. But the reason why you're going to die is because I said so and because I never created you to live on this planet forever. I told you this life was going to go by quickly, even at 70 or 80 years. And I didn't consult you when I put you on this earth, and I will not consult you when I take you away from this place. Because I never created you to stay here. I choose that. That's why it's so important in knowing that you're going to die one of these days and all your loved ones and family members. Matter of fact, just go back 150 years. Just 150 years. There is not every person on the planet 150 years ago. None of them are on the planet today. He would want you to know that and be reminded of that. And he'd want you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He would tell you, because of that very fact, and I've said it from the beginning, that your life's going to go by so quickly. I want you to have, and I created you for, an eternal existence and a home forever in heaven with me. So trust my son as your only way to have a relationship with me. Trust him. Call upon him as your Lord and Savior so that you might have what I actually really created you for. And then the final thought would be this. Okay, God going to be trouble down here. There's diseases, there are viruses, there are people dying. We get it. We get it now. So God, with our relationship with you, a home forever in heaven, what do you want us to do with all of this? And your heavenly Father would simply tell you this, and everybody seems to be missing this that I talk to. Are you ready? If you don't work, you don't eat. So against all odds, 
against everything coming against you, against a present threat that has always been out there in one form or another, God would tell you, you don't make fear-based, motivated decisions. And if you did, you reverse it. Here's what I want you to do and get back to work. Here are two last points. Please stay with me. There has never been a time in your life, dear Christian brother or sister, that you need to personally hear from God like you do now. I'm not talking here from CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, or the Fox News Network. I'm not talking even about hearing from a pastor or what somebody else is saying on TBN or Daystar. I'm talking about the fact that you need to hear, dear child of God, from your heavenly Father, directly from Him, and many times it does not come in all the wonderful big things that are happening out there or the noisy things. You hear from God sometimes in that little gentle whisper, the power that's in it. And whatever you hear him say for you, for you now, not for somebody else, whatever you hear him say, you do that. If you hear him say to you, you stay in. If you hear him say to you, I want you not to go outside, then don't. If you hear him say to you, get up, get back, get back to work, then you do it. You hear whatever it is, you hear him say, listen to you, you do what he said for you to do. And then finally, and this is my favorite part of the whole story, and if you're not careful, you'll miss it. God came to where Elijah was, even though Elijah was in a bad place. For you, it might be you're in a place of fear, of anxiety. For you, a place of depression. For you, it might be that you feel like all of your dreams are dashed and you're too old now to get them back. There's no hope. There's no future. It's interesting that in the Bible, God always puts the ball in our court and says, you want me to be close to you, you be close to me. You move close to me, and you'll feel me moving close to you. But there's an exception. When he sees that you and I are in trouble, it is God who will always close the gap on that. And he'll move in like he did to Elijah. And he'll address him kindly and lovingly and then give him instructions. Instructions that would give him a purpose again. Instructions that would lay out a plan of attack for him again. Instructions that would give him success and a future. Instructions that would give him back those things, those accomplishments, along with the challenges to make the next half of next season of his life better than the last season that he went through. And I am believing concerning you that God is going to give you back that which the enemy has taken. I am believing you're coming out of this better than what you were when you went in this. And no, you're not coming out of this same. Of course not. And I believe you're going to have challenges. I believe you're going to have prosperity. And I believe you're going to have success again. And then you're going to die. <laughs> you say, well, that's not very nice. You can never take that off the table. And God never wanted you to take that off the table. For yourself and for your family members. There is always going to need to be discussions about where we're going when we leave here and how we're going to get there through Jesus. Always keep that on the table. Because if there's never been a time where you've seen a global uh, uh, attention being given to God, see it now and take advantage of it by making sure that every one of your family members are saved. And right at the end of this message, right at the end of this message, you're going to get the opportunity to pray that prayer. You and your family members as well. Well, let me just close with this. 
because there's just one last thing, and this one last thing is going to be a lot of fun. Are you ready? For all of us, I want us to remember the governors, the governors who overreached, who abused their power, who mistreated hardworking men and women, and treated people in their states as if they were their children. I want you to remember how you voted them in, and when it comes time, vote them out. Vote them out of their offices, vote them out of our lives, and vote them out of our way. And that will be fun. God bless you, and God bless the tremendous comeback that you, my child, children of God, my brother, sister in Christ, are about to live out. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord and that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I want to thank you for that. I want to ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the very first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, please click the first time link located in the description below this video. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week for our online services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m.